hi everyone. It's great to be with you here, and it's yeah, it's wonderful actually to be able to share something from the Word of God, something that God has put in my heart very recently. Um, you know, since it is my first time here speaking from this position, I want to tell you something about me so you get to know me a bit more. And, you know, among the things that I like to do is to, I like to watch TV. I'm not very keen on that, but I like to sit on the couch sometimes and just spend and chill, you know, watching TV. I like to watch football, of course. I like to watch the best team in the world, which is Inter Milan, of course. And I know you all agree on that, so it's good. But I like also to watch TV shows and movies and documentaries. And especially these last ones, the documentaries, I really love to watch them. I really, to, I really love to see how God designated, how all the things to be and how the nature works in its complexity. It's just fantastic. And another thing that I like to watch, and you may ask yourselves why I have these gears on this wonderful uh, desk, is because I like to watch uh, restoration things. So I like uh, to, to watch like the TV show that you have here called The Repair Shop, I think. And it's wonderful to see uh, because I, I'm amazed at the ability that these guys have to take pieces from the dump and restore them. Now, whether it is a full object or a, something that is very particular, peculiar of a, one object that they need to have and is just in the dump, they take it and then they clean it, they take the dust off it and even the rust and uh, put that piece into another bigger and more complex uh, mechanism. See, for example, I was watching a, uh, an episode in which they had to take a um, special gear from a watch that was old, and they had to take that gear that was rusting, so they have to restore them, and put them, place it uh, into another watch, into a new one. Because what happens if, like, the gear of a watch is rusting? Probably five seconds will last hours on our watch. Um, so, you know, sometimes I have this kind of problem. I have the problem that um, at 8 o'clock I usually say to my friends, in five minutes I will be there. And they call me later and they say, you said that you were here half an hour ago. You said in five minutes you will be here. So I'm sorry. Probably one of the gears of my watch, maybe it's rusty, and uh, the seconds are just hours and stuff like that. No, but anyway, I like the idea that what has been rejected can, be, can have a new value. I like that what is rusty can be turned again, uh, can work again, and uh, once it is repaired. You know, and I also like the fact that is what was rusty is not in the same place that was before. You know, and we ourselves, I like even more the fact that we ourselves as a church, we work as gears. And probably we were rusty gears that now have been restored. Let me focus on that. The church, I can, today I will call the church as God's big mechanical watch. Because we in the church are the gears within that mechanical watch. So, every gear is, is special because the gear uh, rounds on, its, on itself, but, but it also has like the teeth around it. So, in a sense, it works like this but he also has to join other gears in order to make them work and in order to make the mechanism work. And these gears, we can say that the gear is based on what is doing, so in being, sorry, 
the, the inner part is the being and the outer part is the doing. Why? Because like we read in, uh, in verse 22 that Judith has just uh, read, he says this, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. Now, love one another deeply is simple, isn't it? Um, you know, in this passage, we have the representation of the perfect gear. We have the representation of the gear that has been restored, the gear that has been purified, but also we have the representation of how the gear should work. The gear should work by loving one another. So the teeth in here, they are just the way the gear relate to other gears, actually. But actually, we have a problem here. We have a problem because I think sometimes we are far too busy in focusing on the inner part of the gear that we forget that we, in order to work, we also need to relate to other people. You know, sometimes we say that we are focused on our holiness, and so we say to other people from outside, brothers and sisters, or even non-believers, we say, I don't want to spend time with them. I don't want to spend time with her. I don't want to share my time with them because he is doing something wrong. He is smoking a cigarette. Or maybe that guy, he, that guy is in, in drugs because he just wants to escape from the brutality of reality. Or even more, we say, I knew that that girl is not a true believer. She, is, she, got, uh, she got pregnant before the marriage. How dare she to say that she is a believer? I will never mix myself with her. I, will never, I don't want anything to do with that. Or there is something very funny that I found very funny. is the fact that sometimes we don't talk to someone just because they did not wave at us in Asda while we were buying porridge in some, uh, between the shelves. And I found that quite... You know, we spend so much time in, in our holiness that we actually forget that we, are, we also work in, the, in a bigger and more complex mechanism. You know, have you ever worked in a gate or in a door that is creaky? Ends up if that is your gate or your door. And yes, we have like a hundred people here raising their hands up. So for those at home. But um, actually, what, do, what is your kind of, uh, um, how do you react to that? How do you react to that creak? I think that most of us, the first thing that they do or they say is that, I will deal with that later, I can't be bothered now. I, I don't want to do that now. But then we reach the point that the noise of the creek becomes louder and louder, up to that becomes very annoying, or even the door itself becomes very heavy to push. And you know, I think sometimes when we focus ourselves too much on our holiness, personal holiness, and we forget about the others, we are just allowing that creek to become louder and louder. The, pe the people are like those gates. The people that are uh, suffering, that are not having like a very holy behavior. The, the guy that is taking drugs, the, the girl that probably is pregnant before the marriage. I don't know, the guy that also caused you uh, probably anger or disappointment. They are like creaky doors. And if we don't deal with that as soon as we hear the creak, I think that that door, that person becomes either too louder in the noise or either too heavy to move. And this is something that we should not uh, allow 
because you if you allow that creek to become too, no too noisy, it means that you are allowing the rust to grow more and more in that gate, in the gears of that gate, in the hinges of that gate. Or maybe you are allowing that to become heavy, heavier and heavier, and so you will not be able to move that door again. And, and what causes yourself is just that if you are a gear and you work just focusing on yourselves, and you do not focus even on the outside part, on the teeth of the gear, when you act like that, you are just rotating like this, but your teeth have been filed. You are filing your teeth, and basically, you do not work. Maybe you can rotate on yourself, but actually, you do not work in the bigger and more complex mechanism. Basically, you are not useful in a sense. But yeah, I think that we as a Christian, we should not be like that. We should not be like plain and very smooth wheels. But actually, we should grip the other gears. You know, when we want to make, I think that most of the times we point uh, each other's um, sin or faults just because we want to care for them. Uh, even though sometimes I think there is like a sense of I am better than you. But actually, I think that the, the way how holy people should deal with other people's transgression or sins or even uh, the difficulties in life is just by caring for them, protecting them. To call out someone's sin is to care for him or, or for her. It's to say, look, you have value in the bigger mechanism of which you are part and I am part as well. And I want you to work, because if you don't work, I don't work either. You know, Jesus did not say, by your excellent holiness, they will know that you are my disciples. He did not say, because you are perfect, people will follow you. I think that Jesus said in John 13, 34 and 35, he says this, love one another as I loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. <clears throat> it's not a case, actually, that even Paul, after speaking of the renewal of mind in Romans, in Romans 12, he says this. So he says, first, being renewed and do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. But straight after, he says, Love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay, uh, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it is depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. 
for this, uh, for this written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I'm sorry, but I don't see any points other people how bad they are. And this is how God's holiness in God's holy people should work. All the gears work perfectly and in togetherness. And the, the love that Jesus Christ has showed to his church, to this gear, should be the oil that greenses the, the gears, but also must be what shapes the teeth of the gears as well. In a context of, the, of hardship for the church under the narrow persecution, um, Peter is saying, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed that he's coming. And again he says, your faith and hope are in God. To be holy people means that you yourself, as a gear, you point other people to the hope that you yourself hold. But of course, before to, to do that, before to point and to work with other gears to that hope, we also must be changed ourselves. We must be changed in our inner part. We must be taken off all the rust and the bumps. And we have to allow God to do that on ourselves. And there is only one way to do that. There is only one way that we can take off the rust, that we can take off the bumps, that we can work in God's big mechanical watch, which is to be holy, to be holy people. And now the question may be, so now, how can I be holy? Or maybe to be more Italian, I can do, how can I be holy? But actually, yeah, what does it mean to be holy? What does it mean to be set apart for God? And to do that, I think, to see what does it mean, we should go back in the Old Testament and run throughout the Bible. The Bible, see, the, the Old Testament speaks about Abraham being set apart for God. Uh, the Bible says in the Old Testament that Israel were, were the holy people of God. That uh, they had uh, the tabernacle first and then the temple where the God's holy of holies and the holy dwelling place was there. And that was so holy that God himself said to Israel, be holy because I'm holy, just like Peter recalled. Because, be holy because I am holy. But then the Bible says a history of rebellion, a history of uh, idolatrous, a history of uh, people uh, that were adulterous, people that were doing evil. People were murderers, betrayers, liars, deceivers. A history that has very little to do with the holiness, isn't it? And uh, has very little to do with holiness, especially if we see holiness as something that we can gain by our own effort. If we, if we consider holiness to, do, to be something that we can gain by our own effort, I think that we are missing the point. Let me tell you that if 
we consider holiness like something that we can, we can gain by, our own, by ourselves, none of us here is holy. None of us here is holy. Because the Bible says this in Psalm 14, 2 and 3. It says, The Lord looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there is any, any who understand, any who seek God. All have turned away. All have become corrupt. There is no one that does good. Not even one. And so I think that we must start to reconsider what holiness is. And we should see and look at Abraham, how he was set apart for God, and despite he was a liar. We have to see, we have to see, we have to look at David, who despite was a sinner, he was an adulterous man. He called himself a man who is with blood on his hand. He gave birth to the dynasty of, the Davidic dynasty of which Jesus was part of. Or we should look at Peter, who denied Jesus while he was, was crucifixed. Or we should look at Paul. Paul who considered himself the first of the sinners. And yet we read his writings, his inspired writing, we consider his letters and the contribution to the Bible as a God-inspired word. And yet he was a sinner. And Paul himself, I think, he describes the condition to be holy people. How can we be holy? And he says this, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. It was not through the love that Abraham and his offspring received that the promise that they would be heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. The promise comes by faith. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is give, the gift of God. The only way to be holy then is not by our own effort. It's not something that we can achieve. achieve. To be holy, we must put our faith in Jesus. We, must, we can just be holy through Jesus Christ. He is the one who tore the veil of the temple. He is God incarnated through whom we received the Holy Spirit, which is God himself. And we became, Paul says, we become the temple of God in Corinthians. And he is the one in whom we have hope. We know that Jesus says, I am coming and I will make everything new. There will be no more tear, no more pain. I will make everything new. And Jesus is the one whom every people from every nation and tribe, and I'm pleased that here we have kind of a variety from people from all over the world. Every nation and tribe will come and praise God, praise Jesus. And see, there is no boast in that. And this should humble ourselves. To be holy is not something like, I have no sin, I am perfect. I mean, I'm Italian, what kind of imperfection can I have? I'm perfect. <laughs> to be holy means that we place ourselves from the, rusty, from the rust that we had, and we place ourselves in the hands of God, and we allow him to work on us, to clean us from the rust, to restore us from the bombs that we have, 
And this is all about God. It's not because we are good. It's not because we do well. But it's just because God is good. Because Jesus Christ died for us. And become, because through him we now receive the Holy Spirit. Which allows us to call ourselves holy. And there is no boast on that. And see, if we start to see holiness as this, as something that should humiliate us, should humble us, rather than to boast us, we see that we are no superior. We are no longer superior to the one that is sat next to us. But again, to be holy means also that you live according to the hope that you have. In Hebrews, he says, he says this, Hebrews 6, 19 and 20. I'm sorry, I did not say to you, Martin, that I had this. But actually, it says this. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain, where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. And so I'm not saying... we. I'm not saying that we can go outside and live as we please or uh, uh, do whatever we want and destroy ourselves with, uh, I don't know, with anything that we can do. Because when you place yourselves in the hand of God, you don't want to go back doing what caused you to be in the dump or in the scrapyard. You want to be part of a new, a better mechanism that allows you to have more value, that gives you, yeah, more value again. You want to be a new piece. In a, in a better place. And you want to work well. You don't want to have any bumps. You don't want to have any rust on you. Being holy means that we understood the depth of the grace of God in Christ. It's just amazing. <laughs> yes, and so we live according to the hope, like Peter was saying. Put your hope on Jesus Christ and live according to the hope. This, means, this is what means be holy because I'm holy. Live accordingly to the grace that you have received. And receive that grace every single day. So again, it's no longer I'm holy, you are not holy because you sin. But it's more I'm not holy, as, I'm not holy either, just like you are not. I need grace, you need grace as well. And so I'm trying to live according to that grace. And how can I live according to that grace? We have to allow God to be in our conversation. We have to show the God's love, God's grace in the way we talk, in what we do, in the way we relate with people, in the way we share the gospel with people. It means that we not think ourselves in the highest position of another one. Or in a position that allows us to criticize who is sat next to us. It means that we love our neighbor as ourselves. That we love God. That we love the church as well. And, and I'm telling you, like, if you are not coming to church because you think you are not worthy enough. Because you think you are not good enough. I think that you are not coming to the place where you want to be. Because the church is not the place where perfect people come and stay together and criticize the people outside saying, oh, look at them. They are not holy. We are holy. The church is the, is the place where not holy enough people 
come and gather together and praise God. The churches were rusty gears. Look at these wonderful gears. Where rusty gears actually comes and have a second chance. Because they've been repaired, because they've been placed in a better position. None of us is perfect, none of us is holy in the way we intend to be. But every one of us is holy by God's grace. And this is what makes us holy. And so we should remind ourselves that we holy people, we holy people sounds very weird, but we who received God's grace, let me put it that way, were rusty gears, and we should always remind where we come from, that we come from that position of being rusty, being bumped, being in the scrapyard, in the place where we received God's grace, and we are now part of God's bigger mechanical watch. The, the oil that runs through our teeth and that shape our teeth is the love of God shown in Christ Jesus. And, we, and that love must flow through all the gears and greenses all the gears. So I just want to remind you that God loves you. And if you are in this position where we can work with other gears. It's just because he is graceful, because he is wonderful, and because he doesn't want us to be in the scrapyard, but he wants to bring us from the scrapyard to the sky high with him. So let's pray, and then we can have the, another song. And yeah, may God bless us. Dear Lord and Father, we want just to give thanks for uh, the opportunity that we have to be part of the bigger mechanism of which you are in control. Father, help us to remind that we are no holy in the way that we meant it to be, mean it to be. But Father, we are holy because you are good, because you are graceful, because you are amazing, because you showed your love for us in this, that we while we were yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. And this is not because of us, but it's because it's a gift from you, God, Father. So, Father, I just want to give thanks for that. I want to give thanks that we can be shaped by your love and that we can work together well. Help us to work together well, dear Father, and help us to, remind, to remember that you are the one in whom our hope is.